Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hello, Jonathan. How's it going? Amy, it's going well. I know you're on vacation, so you've probably had a better week than I have. It has been a great one uh, down here in Florida at the beach, and so we are having a nice time. Uh, what, what beach do you guys go to in Florida? Anna Maria Island. It's uh, near Bradenton, kind of south of Tampa. Oh, okay. Yeah, down there, the Sarasota area, isn't it? Near yes. There? Yeah. yeah, very close. Very close. So it's a, a re- really nice time that we have with our family down here. Cool. All right. Well, I did not have vacation this week, so we had vacation Bible you, school. You have vacation Bible yeah. school. So yes. it's been a great week. Uh, Beth's had a really exhausting week. She just got in from family night. Uh, we're recording this late on Thursday night, and she just got in. So it's been a, been a busy week for her, but a good week. Uh, very, very uh, fruitful week. So we're excited about yeah. that. Yeah. I think I saw a picture of your family on social media, all with I Love VBS yes, t-shirts. Yes, so we you have are those. definitely sold out. Yes, we do. Uh, that, that's They kind of do those every year. Instead of doing like the theme t-shirt, they do a just a I Love VBS t-shirt. And that's kind of the VBS shirt at this church. So it's kind of neat. That way you can use them year after year after year. So it's actually pretty economical and, and, a, and a good thing, you know, because you can use shirts from year to year. Very nice. Anyway, well, let's jump into this week's news. Uh some big things. We're going to talk uh, a little bit later with Dan Darling from the ERLC about the Planned Parenthood uh, video that was released this week. There's a lot to talk about that. We're going to talk about a lot that a lot today on the show. Uh, but let's run through these other stories real quick. First off, Guidestone uh, loses on an abortion mandate. Uh, this was in relation to a an appeal they had filed earlier this year. Yeah, this was something that came down from the Tenth Circuit Court, and uh, this is actually not that different from the case we talked about last week that the Fifth Circuit had ruled on, uh, Houston Baptist, a couple of other schools involved. Um, so this this case involved Guidestone, also Truett McConnell, and Oklahoma Baptist were named in this group, some other schools, and the it, it was the same one that the mainstream news has covered uh, for a uh, group with the little sisters of the poor, the, uh, the nuns that, that had filed. So, and they basically got the same ruling. Um, the, the same idea that, that their religious liberty was really not being inf- infringed upon. Um, and, you know, I, I was reading some more, just more extensively on this to try and, and uh, really get my head around it. Uh, it seems like, seems like the courts are really viewing obviously the three cat you know three different categories that churches are completely exempt from this particular mandate to provide this these types of contraceptives they do not have to provide this at all um, originally the for-profit companies like Hobby Lobby only had one choice they either had to provide it or they had to pay a fine a massive fine. So that's why they, they won when they did. But these uh, religious nonprofit organizations kind of fall somewhere in the middle. They don't classify as a church. They had this option to fill out a form and sort of get out of the money piece of that. They don't have to be paying for it. But when they do, the government will step in and still provide this coverage. And, you know, all of these, uh, all of these, these groups, these schools, these corporations, I mean, not corporations, these uh, nonprofits were saying, we don't want to do that because filling out that form makes us part of the process for this coverage to still be there. And, you know, the court just keeps saying, 
no, we don't think that's, we don't think that's strong enough. So they keep ruling against. Yeah. So it'll probably be appealed to the Supreme court because basically that's what happened last week. Um, yeah. We talked about that. The Westminster seminary and East Texas Baptist university and Houston Baptist university have all filed an appeal from that fifth court ruling that we talked about last week. And uh, right. so that's that's probably going to be to the Supreme Court. There'll be a couple others, I'm guessing. There'll probably be an appeal of this one. There was a Seventh Circuit Court uh, refusal as well. So it seems like every one of these is, keeps falling by the wayside and, and the same rulings uh, and will probably wind up in the Supreme Court uh, in the next year or so. Yeah, I think it will because the question keeps coming up. Uh, I think we need to be paying attention. As I said, the media always is drawn to this this group of nuns, the little sisters of the poor. When we sort of hear about that, we can know this is the same case. This is the same question that concerns us. So uh, it's it's just going to be interesting to see where this goes for this kind of middle ground spot. In other entity news, the North American Mission Board uh, reached a settlement. Uh, actually, their insurance company reached a settlement uh, with a student missionary who was paralyzed in a 2009 rollover crash up in uh, the northwest of the United States. Jeremy Vangsness at the time was 21 year old. Was 21 years old, and was in Glacier National Park and in Montana, and uh, had an accident while on summer missionary uh, work with the North American Mission Board. Or there were three other uh, passengers in the car, all of whom were injured. Jeremy suffered the most. Um, and he actually was reported dead at the scene, but uh, they realized that he was not. And uh, I wound up being uh, paralyzed uh, from the neck down. On June 19th, District Judge Mike Salvagni of Gallatin County up in Montana ruled that Nam was liable for his injuries because he was at the time serving in a capacity for the entity. Uh, so the insurance company reached a settlement today of that $26 million, the highest. It's the largest in Montana state history uh, for a payout. Uh, so just some interesting news there. Uh, it's not really going to affect the bottom line of NAM as much as it does the insurance company, obviously. Uh, but that's why these yeah. entities carry these large insurance policies. Yeah, that's a, that's a horrible story. That was one I, I didn't even Yeah, I didn't even know it happened. That happened. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, it only happened six years ago. So... I mean, we would have both been right. involved in the SPC at that time, and I, I've never heard this story before. I guess some of our friends at NAM probably know it a little bit better than we do. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's tough. On a positive note, though, uh, Lifeway has selected partners for its new headquarters. I've been kind of involved in this, as you might imagine. Uh, not in the I actual selection. So. Not in the actual selection, but I have met a bunch of these guys. Uh, the Gresham Smith and partners will be the ones designing the 216,000 square foot office building that's going to be right on the river in downtown Nashville. Uh, um, we that's are, amazing. It, it, is, it is an incredible spot. I think you know the spot well, right across from where they're building the new amphitheater uh, by the Korean yes. Veterans um, Memorial Bridge. And... Uh, just a fantastic spot, a fantastic area of town that's really starting to take off. Uh, downtown Nashville has has transformed so much in the last decade. Uh, I know you probably can remember what it was like as you were when you were a kid, and it was nowhere near what oh. it is now. Yeah, you didn't go. You didn't go when you were. A <laughs> you didn't go down kid. there. Not <laughs> not as a kid, at least, right? So that's right. That's it was, right. It was a bit seedy, um, but it it was it was, and I actually remember. See the uh, the. I guess the bat building didn't yeah. even exist until I was a senior in high school. So wow. I remember, I remember a completely different skyline um, mm. and just a completely different city. Wow. And, and Nashville has undergone a, a, an extensive 
uh, transformation in the past few years. And uh, oh, yeah. LifeWay is excited to be a part of that. Uh, if you're going to be in town for SEND uh, conference in a couple weeks, you will be in that general vicinity. So it's just a few blocks from the Music City Center and Bridgestone Arena. Uh, it's kind of just as far as where LifeWay is now, about that close to Bridgestone, it's the other direction. And actually a lot closer to walk over to um, football games at Nissan Stadium. Oh, I know there will be people that like that. Yes. So we get to park there for free. That's a nice little bonus. So they can't build that fast enough uh, for the eight people who are interested in going to see the Titans play. Yes. Um, (laughs) They're terrible. But anyway, uh, so anyway, great story. All right, we're not even going to have that conversation. Yeah, great story about Lifeway and getting the uh, the new building down there. We're waiting on the final approval by the city, um, but we're excited, and and it should be a really, really, really good venue for us uh, for the future of Lifeway and to, to grow as a company. Very good. Um, another another thing that I, has come out really in the broader news, the broader culture, but obviously it affects a lot of Southern Baptists, uh, is the new development with the Boy Scouts of America. Yep. yep. And there was a 2013 uh, resolution about this. I remember we passed in Houston. That's when things were just beginning, kind of going down this road. People were concerned that the Boy Scouts were on a slippery slope because of what they were discussing in the types of the scouts that they were going to let participate, yeah. correct? The big issue is that churches that sponsor Boy Scout troops, which a lot of churches do, they have to sign on to what the Boy Scouts are about, like kind of, you know, as a contract kind of thing with the Boy Scouts and say, you know, we support you, we support this. And now you've got all these evangelical churches, not just Southern Baptist churches, but Assemblies of God, Presbyterian, you name it, that do not affirm same-sex marriage or homosexuality. Right. They're now stuck. We've seen different groups try to uh, fill that void, you know, with a Christian worldview uh, of scouting. Trail Life USA is one of those groups. Uh, so this, I, I don't think this is surprising. I think the, the thing I'm surprised about that is that it took two years to, to happen because I really thought it would have been yeah. a little bit earlier. Yeah. But, you know, two years ago, they were kind of insistent that they were not going to uh, change their leadership policy, that they were not going to going to have leaders who were uh, homosexuals, but they, uh, when that happened, people were very concerned. You had folks on both ends of the, of the situation. We should walk away completely, or we should continue to have these groups in our churches and build a connection with them. And I remember even then the resolution, it was very back and forth, a lot of opinions on this, a lot of work to come together on what, how we could say this. But like you said, uh, I mean, it's two years really seemed longer than I even expected to come to this. It's sad to say, but it wasn't too surprising when I heard it this week. Yeah, it really wasn't, especially with the Supreme Court case that came. I think a lot of these situations are going to move in that direction. Kind of of dominoes, you know, the Supreme Court case kind of was the the, the open door for all these to start falling. And uh, I think this is just the first in the line of many that we will see. Now, that news would have been the big news of the week, probably, uh, the Boy Scout news, that is, if it hadn't been for the video that surfaced on Tuesday from Planned Parenthood. Yeah, this was unbelievable. Yes. Um, you know, and and honestly, this week is a, is a week when I normally stay off social media as much as possible, but mm-hmm. this was an unavoidable story. I mean, you just couldn't couldn't miss it. It was a, an, a, an official from Planned Parenthood who in this undercover video uh, 
was seen. It looks, I think, was it over lunch? I think it was over lunch. Yes. Just speaking. Yeah. Speaking casually, very callously about, um, of course, Planned Parenthood is saying about their uh, tissue, tissue donation yeah. program. But uh, essentially, the way it was being discussed, it was very much discussing, and I hate even saying this out loud, frankly, but discussing organs and body parts. And it was very much insinuated that uh, with care that, that these were being sold. Um, they want to come back and say, no, it's complete donation, but it seemed very much like she was hinting at how to do this in such a way, how to price it in such a way. It was one of the most callous things I've ever seen. Um, and just shocking, just shocking. And you couldn't get away from it. I was so, uh, I was so struck by it. I was grieved by it. It just, I couldn't believe it. Just horrifying. Yeah. Well, a few of the things that really stuck out to me in this is that the monetary profit of it, for one, is just, I cannot wrap my mind about around that. And secondly, you know, you've got in a hospital, if you're an organ donor and you go to a hospital right. and you're in bad shape, the, the doctor is not supposed to care if you're an organ donor or not. Their job, the doctor's job is to save your life. The organ, right. the organ you know, team that comes in and harvests your organs, if you were to die, they're separate. They don't really have any call on how you get treated. The, right. the entire process in this Planned Parenthood thing, the organ donor or the organ harvester and the doctor, quote, trying to help the mother are the same person. So their ultimate goal is to sell those organs. I mean, that, there's nothing in that for the the baby at all and you know they can call it tissue yeah. it's a baby yeah you're absolutely right and uh and in the example you're you're citing the connection you're making um organ donation has such a high code of ethics yes involved in it uh, parameters that have been set up for a very long time this is exactly how we do this um and to hear the way this was handled and even the way it's approached while the baby is still alive, um, that it's yeah. approached with this process in mind. Um, really, really horrendous thing uh, that, frankly, I mean, this, as I said, this is a week that I stay off of social media a lot anyway, so I, I wasn't really participating in conversation. But I kind of needed that because I, the, the thing was so upsetting to me. I just kind of, I just had let it sink in anyway. Uh, it was so awful. Yeah. What also really struck me, and, and this just happened today, we're recording this on Thursday. Thursday, the Planned Parenthood uh, released a video apologizing for the tone in the video. Not the content, yeah. Yeah. not what they're doing, not the program, not the organ you know, sales, uh, basically human trafficking of dead babies, uh, which is what they're doing. They apologize for the tone. I mean, right. It just right. shows how callous, how... I don't want to say out of touch with reality, but that's really what it is. Yeah, I think it was a, for the for not having a compassionate tone, which is really incredible because the compassion is already gone going into the situation. So uh, it was a pretty pretty incredible thing. So this really did have the attention of uh, almost everyone, and, and uh, there were a lot of responses out there. A lot of um, 
very articulate responses, but in this, in this moment, it's really hard to even approach that. Everyone's just reeling. Yeah. And, and it's not just, there was a lot of, you talk about reeling and, and just people's response. There was a lot of shock and outrage on Tuesday that there was no more uh, coverage of it. Well, a lot of people were doing, you know, the media just got this dropped on them. They're doing a lot of background checking because as we saw in the last week or two, there are a lot of fake stories that go on out there. And so the media, even conservative media took a while to get this up. Sarah Pulliam Bailey at the Washington Post, uh, one of our friends, uh, she she was kind of fighting back against it. She's like, look, we've got to check sources. We've got to check stories. She's, we're doing it as right, fast it as we can. Time. It takes time. Give us time. And, and Sarah got a great story up. And, and the Washington Post has covered this probably better than any mainstream outlet, I would say, uh, so far. Um, but especially major print outlets, um, they may be only one of, one of the few that are actually covering it legitimately uh, from a major print outlet standpoint. Um, but there has been dismissal, you know, Salon, uh, uh, Slate, those kind of places, just kind of dismissive. I saw um, a Gawker article about it that was really dismissive. Uh, just, oh, these are just, you know, crazy conservatives, and they're, they're the same people that made the, the videos a few years ago about Acorn. Uh, right. and you know, they can say that and they could try to dismiss it, but you know, they said it's a heavily edited video. They posted the full thing and it, it's just worse. Yeah. Basically the eight minutes is basically the worst parts of it, but it, you can go on for two hours and watch the entire video on YouTube now. And it's just, it's brutal. There's no way around it. And now that, you know, Planned Parenthood is coming out today and announcing, you know, and apologizing for the tone that kind of lets you know that. Yeah, this is legit. It's not just some crazy conspiracy theory from the right. Right. There is something there. And and because of it happening in the middle of a um, an election cycle or at the beginning of an election cycle, I mean, we are going to hear more about this, whether media want to deal with it or not. Candidates are, are speaking about it. Yeah. Uh, the Speaker of the House has said we're going to look into this. Uh, so it will be interesting to see where that will go. Um, when those people are just forcing the issue. We've, we've heard a lot of the conservative candidates, uh, some of the uber-conservative candidates uh, were the first to jump out there, Bobby Jindal, Carly Fiorina. Uh, I've seen Jeb Bush, Donald Trump, uh, Scott Walker's made a statement on this, a lot of them. But the more progressive candidates, moderate candidates, and ex- especially the extreme liberal candidates, really quiet on this issue. Um, they they realized that this could be a detrimental issue to their base because uh, the the heavy pro choice contingent that they have as a voting block and uh, they realized that a lot of those are one issue voters and, and could you know turn and not vote for them if they came out you know kind of condemning Planned Parenthood for what they're doing but at the some at some point they're gonna get the question and and at some point there's gonna have to be an answer and it's not just the the political candidates. Candidates. Uh, Ed Stetzer had a great article on his blog today about progressive evangelical and mainline Christians. Where are they on this? Uh, a lot of them would fall on more of a women's rights issue than a pro-life stance. And, and some of them are speaking out, and Ed commended them for it. Um, in his blog today, he even mentioned those by name and, and con- commended them for it. Matthew Paul Turner, Rachel Hall Evans, and a couple others as well that, that Ed commended for them taking a stance on this. And that, that's something that they really do need to take a stance on it. It's, this is a very, very important thing, especially in the church, just on, you know, Imago Dei, the, the entire, you know, the image of God, these 
you know, these babies are made in the image of God. And as Christians, we should be looking out for the protection of the unborn and those who don't have the, the protection and the voice. We should be the voice for the voiceless. Right, right. So I, I think that this horrible situation possibly has opened up a conversation that we really need to be having yeah. uh, and has kind of pulled the cover off of something um, that we need to face. You no, know, it's, it's, it's really hard. I mean, even the most pro-choice person out there can look at this and go, you know, maybe there's something wrong with that. You know, that it just, it, it boggles my mind that you could watch that video and hear what is said and not come away with that and just sick to your stomach. I just, I just, I just can't, I can't imagine that. And that, you know, that obviously that's my Christian worldview speaking there, but at the same time, it just, it, it just boggles my mind. So, but we were fortunate to have Dan Darling uh, come over. I had Dan come over and we recorded an interview with him because the question is, all right, so this is what's going on. What next? And uh, so Dan, yeah, what do we do? So Dan came over and, uh, and kind of talked about a few points on that today. Today we're joined by Dan Darling, the Vice President of Communications for the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. Dan wrote a post uh, this week about the Planned Parenthood video and everything we've talked about so far in the program. We wanted to get Dan's thoughts on six things Southern Baptists can do as a response to what we saw this week in the Planned Parenthood. Dan, thanks for joining us. Thank you. I'm glad to be here and uh, glad to be on your great podcast. I know you listen to the podcast. We thank you for that. And uh we talk about it frequently at church. You attend uh, First Baptist Mount Juliet yes. with me, so we see each other quite a bit here. We do here in Nashville, and we still like each other. Yeah, how about that? Um, number one, I guess the, the thing right off the top is to pray and support and get involved in the mission of your local church. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're outraged at as you should be about the Planned Parenthood, uh, just the, the expose, the uncovering of, of what happened, um, and the kind of abortion culture. Uh, the, Really, the first place to start is to be involved in your local church. It's really easy to be involved and be an activist on cultural issues and then be disconnected to your church, local church. Uh, but you should start with the church. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, nothing will change the hearts of people on issues like life, like the gospel, like yeah. preaching the gospel and uh, extending the mission of the church. So do be involved in your local church and pray. God is in the business today, as he always has been, of turning... Uh, Saul's and Nepal's, as yeah. we say. Yeah. So start with the church. Start with the church, and then really it kind of goes out from there. Speak out on behalf of the sanctity of human life. Yeah. Don't be afraid to speak out. Uh, we want to do it winsomely. We want to do it respectfully. We don't want to attack ideological opponents like their avatars or something yeah. in some kind of video game, like these are real people. Uh, but do speak out and do express outrage on social media. Uh, it's amazing how a storm can gather. There can be outrage, storm. Well, I want to point the thing, outrage about this, yeah. not outrage directed at someone, right? Yeah. There's a lot of manufactured outrage. There's a lot of ways to be outraged that things aren't worth being outraged at in the culture. But uh, this is one, you know, the, the sanctity of life is one. And so speak out, let people know where you stand on this. And, um, you know, people who are in positions of power do pay attention to um, when there's a gathering storm around an issue. Um, yeah. We've seen this in, in other uh, issues as well. Also, people who are in power, they pay attention really to where the vote is going. Yeah. And that, that's kind of the next point is you've got to back up your words with actions. And part of that action is a vote. Yeah. And, I, you know, we never tell people this is how Jesus would vote. We're, we're not 
we're not aligned with any particular party, but uh, we do have a stewardship as citizens of a representative republic. Um, and so we should take that stewardship seriously and vote uh, in a way that reflects uh, a respect for the dignity of human life, not just on life issues, but on a whole range of issues. How do people uh, think about the dignity of human life? Yeah, and once we vote, it's not just that. I mean, you can't just go and say, well, I clicked the ballot box. Right. you got to be involved. Yeah. And I, this, is, this leads to another point where I really encourage people to get involved in the local uh, pregnancy resource center. So I, I, I have a chance to speak to some of the fundraising uh, banquets for pregnancy resource centers a lot. And one of the things I tell people is uh, being pro-life is not just being mad on Facebook every four years when there's an election yeah. uh, or putting a bumper sticker on your car, mm-hmm. but it's being involved locally, saving the babies that are in front of you. Yeah. So until Roe versus Wade is overturned, which we all pray that it is, uh, there are young uh, ladies, young girls in your community who uh, are making these decisions right now, and you can be part of one of these centers. And and I've visited a lot of the centers. They're staffed with caring uh, individuals, people who really love the Lord. They apply the gospel uh, and helping these young moms not only make good decisions, but raise their children well. They yeah. help fathers. It's, it's a really, really great great ministry. Yeah, I know you and I are both involved uh, to some degree with our local crisis yeah. pregnancy center in Mountain Juliet. And a lot of the times these crisis pregnancy centers, they have resources, but they always need more. I mean, oh, yeah. one of the big things, and, and you saw this firsthand, I know a few weeks ago when we were in Columbus, mm-hmm. was the need for sonogram machines yes. at crisis pregnancy yeah. centers. And our, our Psalm 139 program at ERLC, we we uh, grant one every year. We have donors that give toward that. Yeah. Uh, and it's amazing. These centers run on pretty much a shoestring oh, budget. Oh, man, they do. It's amazing. And the effectiveness, yeah. I mean, in terms of your pro-life dollar, this is the best bang for your buck to mm-hmm. invest locally right now. So, for instance, uh, when we were in Columbus at the convention this year, um, we partnered with the Stowe Medical Clinic there uh, that is started by a former IMB missionary, mm. um, and it's been supported by North American Mission Board, and also by the, a local church there, Veritas Church, a Southern Baptist church, pastored by Nick Nye. Yeah. Um, and he verif- he's on the board there. They do just great work, not just um, helping young women, but they also do holistic medical services for the poor. Mm-hmm. And so we granted them an ultrasound machine, and now they can offer that as another resource for young moms making good decisions. And the statistics are very, very high for uh, pregnant uh, women who see an ultrasound uh, keeping their baby. Yeah. Um, there's a video on our website, shameless plug here at yearlc.com. Uh, called The Life of Julia, and we did a kind of animated video showing yeah. how this works. Mm-hmm. And you talk about how these these moms, they, they keep the babies. They don't go through with an abortion. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes that leads them into you know adoption, which yeah. has been another big— that's kind of like phase two of the pro-life. There's it really like is. The, yeah. the pre-birth pro-life movement, which would be you know the crisis pregnancy centers. Then there is a, a post-birth responsibility we have as well, and a lot of times we see that through the adoption movement. Yeah, the adoption movement is really growing among evangelicals. I'd say maybe the last 10, yeah. 15 years. Oh, yeah. it's, it's really encouraging. And your I, boss has been one of the forerunners yeah, for that. Yeah, so my boss, Russell Moore, wrote a book, Adopted for Life, and he talks about he adopted two boys from Russia mm-hmm. from an orphanage. Um, he's been really vocal on that. I recommend you read that book. And also Jim Daly from Focus on yeah. the Family, who he's, uh, he, if you know his story, he grew up a very kind of foster care, bouncing around. And uh, the church has been really reawakened to its responsibility to care for orphans in this way. Um, this is not like an incidental thing that the church might do if they have time. Mm-hmm. This is a core function yeah. of what God has called the church to do. Yeah. And, and a mutual friend of ours, Tony Marita, one yes. of his lines was, oh, yeah. we may not all be called to adopt, but we're all called to orphan care. Yes. And, and maybe that's through supporting adoption. Maybe that thing is through 
you know, something in your church, an orphan ministry, yeah. uh, mission trips, those kind of things. Yeah, too. And Tony's a great voice on this. I mean, he's yeah. adopted several kids. Five. Five kids. Yeah. Wow. And uh, has just a great story. I recommend his book, Orphanology. Yeah. For adoption, his, his, my favorite line about him is that whenever they went to adopt their first, because uh, their plan was to adopt one or two, it's like, we went to Sam's. We got, we got four. That's awesome. So he went and they they adopted four uh, from Ukraine, and they've got another one from uh, Ethiopia. Yeah. So, Tony's um, been really really great voice on this. Yeah, and w- the final way that we talked about, and this is in a big event I know you guys are putting on next February, is the Evangelicals for Life March in Washington, D.C. Yeah, so this is an event we're co-sponsoring with Focus on the Family, and uh, one of the reasons we are doing this is uh, – Many of us have participated in the March for Life every year in Washington D.C. It's really, it's really cool. I was there last year, and one of the things that you see and, is yeah, D.C. in February is cool. Yeah, it's it is really cool. Cold. It's literally cool. <laughs> Although last year it wasn't as cold as some years. But one of the neat things is you see so many young people involved. The kind of the caricature of the pro-life movement—that's a bunch of old, angry white men. It's really not true. I mean, it's it's young. Um, young uh, people, millennials marching. Uh, but one of the things we noticed is there's a, there's a heavy Catholic presence, which we're grateful for. Uh, they've been really active on this issue. Uh, but we're trying to get young evangelicals who have kind of a social justice mindset to, to think of pro-life as one of those issues. And so uh, we're hosting an event called Evangelicals for Life. Uh, we're going to have a lot of great speakers. Dr. Moore is going to be speaking. Roland Warren, who's an African-American president of CareNet, is speaking. Eric Metaxas is going to be there. David Platt, many others. Um, and so if you really have a heart for this issue, if you're outraged about Planned Parenthood and about some of these things, um, this is a good opportunity to go, come and get equipped. And not just on abortion, but kind of the whole pro-life spectrum. So what does it mean for end-of-life yeah. care? What does it mean for um, immigrants and other other issues? Now, you mentioned this event in February. Y'all have an event next month in conjunction with the SIN conference. Uh, I can't have you on here and not talk about the RLC National Conference on the Gospel and Politics. Yeah, so we're really excited, first of all, about the SEND conference. I mean, I yeah. think, is it sold out yet? or it's is close. It, it's close. Very it's like 13,000 13, people. And these are, these are young church planters yeah. taking the gospel into the cities, and it's so exciting. It's going to be a great time. And so we're doing a one-day conference uh, at the end of that uh, on the gospel and politics. And one of the things we want to do is just equip people to think through politics as we enter into a, an election season. Um, a lot of young people are burned out by a previous generation sort of engagement, you know, too closely aligning with one party or the other. So they're tempted to pull out altogether. And so we're just trying to help people think through how do you engage this election process. And we have some really great guests. We have um, Michael Gerson, who is a speechwriter for George W. Bush, uh, Ross Douthat, who's a columnist for the New York Times, Rod Dreher, who's pretty popular columnist that people uh, listen to, uh, Dr. Moore, several others. Uh, and we're just really, Karen Swallow Pryor is going to be there as well. Yeah. Um, just thinking through what does this look like? You mentioned engaging. You have a free online ebook called Engage a Christian Witness Online. Tell us about that and where people can get it. So it's a free download from ERLC.com. Um, so just go to ERLC.com and you can find it there. And uh, basically this is kind of a, just a guide for how to engage well as a Christian online. Yeah. I mean, some people lament how bad social media can be, so mm-hmm. they just kind of not want to engage, which I don't think that's an option. Yeah, I mean, withdrawal is not a No, not we're here. It's here to stay. Yeah. But how do we do this well? And I think sometimes we get so heated in some of our arguments, we forget when we're uh, on Twitter or Facebook, we forget that we're Christians. We mm-hmm. just kind of check that out. We think, well, we're, we're talking about the president or we're talking about some uh, something we can just be as nasty as we want. So what does that look like to engage uh, on social media as a Christian? Yeah, and finally, you have a book coming out this fall. 
Now, tell us a little bit about that where people can get it pre-ordered and everything. Yes, it's called The Original Jesus. So um, I basically take 10 ideas of Jesus that are in the culture, mm. uh, in the evangelical world. More characters. Caricatures. Yeah. And one of the things that I I find interesting is that Jesus is really popular today. And I think it's because we can mold him in our image instead of being molded into his image. Mm. And so I spoof some of these, like the red letter Jesus, uh, Braveheart Jesus, or uh, Dr. Phil Jesus, or um, (laughs) Prosperity Jesus, and kind of why these are close, but not really the real Christ. Yeah, they're fictitious images of the real. Yeah, so I'm really excited about it. Uh, got some good endorsements. Dr. Moore wrote the foreword. Danny Aiken gave a n- nice endorsement. And so this will be out in September. So, But you can pre-order it now if you go to my website, okay. danieldarling.com. So we'll link to that. And um, Dan, thanks for joining us today. And we appreciate everything you and the ERLC are doing around the SPC. Thank you very much. Appreciate this great podcast. Well, thanks, Dan, uh, for talking to us about that for those points, uh, helping us think through not just how we react to this, uh, but what we can actually do uh, with what we can actually do with news like this. Uh, We're really looking forward to the national conference coming up in a few weeks, and we appreciate what you all are doing at the ERLC. So Amy, uh, let's move on to our resources of the week. What do you have for us this week? Um, well, my beach reading this week was actually um, a book that I'm kind of going outside. Usually I have books that you can find at Lifeway, but yeah. I, I picked up The Road to Character by New York Times columnist David Brooks, um, yeah. which was a very, very, in- very interesting read. I have been excited about this. Saw an interview with him on C-SPAN one evening about it, um, and he did a really fantastic job of just kind of capturing a question of uh, what has happened in culture um, that sort of the, the road to personal integrity, the ambition for developing character. We're not seeing that as much anymore. What's happened and how can we make that shift? And he profiled a lot of people, uh, very uh, respected people throughout history. Some interesting folks that I didn't know as much about did a great profile of St. Augustine. Oh, okay, cool. And uh, yeah, and so I just I just loved it. Uh, I did bring a little fiction to read down here as well, but that was the thing I started out with, and it was great. I'm really shocked it wasn't Go Set a Watchman. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to read it, but I uh, I'm waiting until after everything kind of passes. Sounds good. I, I probably will read that at some point. I'm kind of waiting to see uh, what the initial reviews are on that. I, I really enjoyed To Kill a Mockingbird as a kid, so uh, Go Set a Watchman probably will make it to my reading list at some point down the road uh, when I finish uh, yeah, I think a lot of other things. Yeah, I think we can't avoid uh, reading it from a, an author as great as that, and To Kill a Mockingbird is one of my very favorite books of all time. Um but it's going to be a different experience reading yep. Go Set a Watch. So. All right, so my resource of the week is a book that I've been working um, not on as a, as, a, uh, as a actual product, but the project itself, I Will, uh, by Tom Rayner, um, my benevolent boss. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I've been kind of neck deep in the content here for I Will and all the development and everything that goes on behind uh, the scenes releasing this book. Uh, The team over at B&H has done a great job. Jennifer Lyle and her people 
Uh, they've done a great job on this book, and uh, we're really excited about everything we've got going with it. Um, we have uh, a church resource that, that has all these pieces um, to it. We have a small group guide that goes with it. We've got PowerPoint, sermons, uh, sermon outlines, sorry, not sermons, sermon outlines, uh, worship song selections. I mean, it's we've got so many ancillary pieces to this thing that we've been doing that uh, that churches can take this thing and and really engage their members into, you know, now that they're members, it, it's the what next. You know, we got the attitude right with I am a church member, and now I will is setting the actions for the uh, the church members. So, uh, really excited about the potential of this book. I am a church member has just been a massive success. Nothing we ever saw coming, um, but it, it is. It has resonated in churches far and wide, and we're really excited about the, the follow-up uh, in I Will. So that's my resource of the week. Uh, shameless promotion, I know, of uh, Dr. Rayner's book, but hey, it's it's good. It's solid. Uh, we've worked on it a long time, so it's it's exciting to see it out in the bookstores now. Well, that sounds really exciting. I'm looking forward to reading it myself. I think I just got a copy of it the other day. Yeah, so You should have. Wait. We had your name yes. on a special list. So. Yes. At least I think so. so. Right I before know. I left town. Yeah. And your boss probably got one too. So he should be happy. I would assume, I would assume he got one before I did. He's so. probably in there somewhere. Probably listed in there in the acknowledgments yes. or something like that. So, um, But yeah, congratulations, Dr. Rayner, on a new book. And uh, I'll have to pick up the road to character. That sounds very interesting. Well, Amy, we will talk again next week. Uh, who knows what next week may hold in the SBC. News-wise, we, we say it almost every week that it, you just never know what's going to happen. You think, oh, it'll be a slow week. You know, <laughs> you're going on vacation. Oh, it'll be a slow week this and week. Then, and then, boom, and then three or four stories. again. Yep. So Plenty we'll, to talk about. We'll see what happens next week. We'll thank you again for joining us. We will see you next week on SBC This Week. Talk to you later.